Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome to episode 10. Let's expand our vision of marketing leadership. And when I talk about expanding your vision of marketing, I mean to expand your message and expand your audience by aiming much higher with your impact. So this episode's about the power of aiming for larger scale impact. It's about the challenges and the rewards of impacting not just your direct prospects and customers and team, but to impact your entire field, your your business niche, your profession. So I'm going to explain how opening your focus up to a bigger picture to include using these persuasion skills and strategies that I share here to create a larger positive impact than just lead generation and lead conversion and how this actually creates a great return on investment for your time and efforts and expense because it naturally creates more leads and it naturally makes it easier to convert them. And there's a study, it's called B2B Marketers Underestimate the Power of Thought Leadership that I'm going to link to in the episode page, which is linked from this podcast episode's description if you're listening on an app. So check out the description for this episode and you'll see the link to it. And for every episode, always include a webpage that is not just a transcription. Matter of fact, currently there's not a transcription, but it's a counterpoint. It's additional information, maybe infographics or things that just lend themselves better to that format to embellish on this. Um, But as far as the study that's on that page for this episode, it found 58% of B2B decision makers said they chose businesses off of their thought leadership. But B2B sellers, now only 26% said thought leadership had something to do with So that's a big gap, and it's a big opportunity that I want you to be able to capitalize on to the maximum extent. Thought Leadership Studio. Before we dive into the episode, just in case you're new here, let me introduce myself. I'm Chris McNeil. I'm a strategic thought leadership coach and consultant. I've got credentials in entrepreneurship, influence, coaching, innovation. I'm a NLP master and I've won multiple national and regional awards for innovation. I have 20 plus years experience coaching and coaching coaches in what grew to be a multiple location personal training studio business in which I use motivation and behavior modification model based on neurolinguistics and sports psychology. So it was about mastering the mind. It was about mastering motivation, stuff that 
really applies well to marketing, which I spent the next 15 years of my career in, and finding ways to model the exquisite examples of high-level success, which I found and connected the dots to be based on what I came to call strategic thought leadership and being able to really move a marketplace. So, so that's where I'm coming from. And let's dive right into it after this little break. So when we start to develop what we call thought leadership positions, we start to develop a new perspective for the marketplace. I find that most business people, most entrepreneurs, professionals, they already have the makings of this. They have the beginnings of it in some way, shape, or form that comes out in certain interactions with certain customers or prospects insights or ideas that are uniquely theirs that can help a customer either get more value out of what they sell or appreciate the unique attributes of what they offer or elevate its purpose to something different maybe to increase their skill in using it or maybe simply to refine their buying criteria so when they make a purchase they get more bang for the buck and more value for the money but something that with the right packaging could be turned, it could be formed and shaped into a strategic thought leadership position that can impact the whole marketplace. But in a lot of cases, the leader wants to generate more leads, they want to convert leads better, but they could do that much better if they make it about leading the whole marketplace. They make it about leading the whole niche, the whole profession in a different direction. how you need to view what I'm selling. Now that's important too, but it's more about saying and, and creating a vision and this powerful magnetic feeling about this is the direction, 
this whole profession, this whole field, this whole marketplace segment should be going in. This is how they should be doing things that they're not yet. And when you have this grander vision for your whole segment, then you can start publishing what you might call your manifesto in the form of a white paper. It's not just addressed to people shopping for what you're selling at the moment. It's addressed to the whole profession. It's addressed to the whole customer base, the whole niche, with a vision of moving everybody forward. sharing my insight with my competition so they can copy me. Well, first up, hardly ever found this to be an issue in real life. And if you're an innovator, if you're thinking creatively, if you're doing what I promote, which is always applying creativity to developing and articulating new ways of looking at and using your product or service, and formulating this into clear, well-constructed thought leadership positions for maximum impact, your competition can copy your innovation but they're not copying your process of innovating. So by the time they've copied innovation A, you moved on to innovation B or even innovation C, and they're stuck back there. So think about it like content versus process. The process of innovating can be distinctively yours, but the particular content of a particular innovation yeah, they might copy that, but so what? It's going to happen if you're leading the marketplace. Competitors are going to study you, but you're studying the customer. And by that, I don't mean studying the customer by doing the usual data analytics to study their current and past behavior. You know, especially since I think studying data with AI in a predictive way and expecting people are going to purchase X because they've done why in the past. To me, that's the opposite of creativity because one definition of creativity I hold is that it's the difference between your behavior and the behavior that artificial intelligence could have predicted. So why would you want to discourage creativity in your customers? You don't necessarily want to predict what they're going to do next by what they've done in the past. You want to join them in creativity and lead them to something new. Maybe something new they wouldn't have thought of on their own. And that's such a higher level of influence that serves the customer instead of targets them. So how about an example? An example of taking this larger vision of impacting an entire field, knowing that if you do it right, it's going to result in more leads. If you do it right, it's going to result in better lead conversion, but you're not aiming directly for that. So it's take some finesse, okay? It's like 
sports psychologist who found that athletes who have performance goals stand a better chance of winning a competition than athletes who have what they call the outcome goals of winning that competition. So an athlete is focused on something like, this is gonna be my absolute personal best in this event. I'm focused on my training. I'm focused on being in the perfect state of mind, being that optimally relaxed, optimally focused in that cocoon of concentration of raising my energy to just that perfect amount feeling that sense of control of my mind and body doing exactly what I want them to do at each point in time. All these things about creating this internal climate of expectation of success, flow state, high focused, high energy, the same type of flow state that's ideal for things like entrepreneurship and innovation. Those are the things the athletes in control of. So they're focused on these performance goals of hitting their own ideal best of physical performance and mental performance more so than winning the competition because that depends on other people too that they're not as in control of and then they have a better chance of actually winning the competition so in the same sense focusing on this grander vision in a selfless big-hearted way is also the best way to achieve these more selfish goals of higher sales, better conversion, better leads. So how about an example? What if I was to pose the outlandish thought leadership position that we need to move our marketing technology to the customer point of view? I'm just going to do this as an example of having a, a bigger vision of impacting an entire field, even if it's impacting it in a small way, we're aiming to impact the entire field. Even if we only bring a couple of organizations or a few people along the way, hey, that's still successful strategic thought leadership. If even one person is positively impacted by your thought leadership, you're doing it successfully. But we're gonna aim for numbers. now. We spend in the marketing field tremendous amounts of money tracking people. And studies show people don't like that. They feel invaded. There's a lot of evidence that creates negative sentiment. And the idea is to, the paradigm, the dominant thinking has been in mass numbers interrupt enough people's web browsing with a message by this. And there's going to be some people you catch at the right time out of these millions of impressions. So by mass numbers, you're going to catch people here and there that are looking to buy. Now, it may not be at a profit because you've got to get so many impressions to get to it. But what about when you start to consider sentiment and how many people you tick off in order to get that? And I actually did a whole podcast on a personal experience I had with that when I was looking for some subwoofers for my home audio system. and there were two companies I was considering. When I started doing research online, I found that because of my web activity, one of those companies followed me with ads. But actually, my web activity itself led me to the other company who was practicing thought leadership, and that's Rhythmic Subwoofers. They had proprietary technology, and they had a thought leadership position, and they promoted it. 
not by following me, but by providing the answers to the questions that I was asking the internet by their activity, their positive activity in online hi-fi communities. So it was a different kind of marketing that I felt much more respected by because I felt disrespected by the other company that I knew was capitalizing and encouraging this activity of studying me as an object to track and you might say, well, you know, hey, that's convenient. They know what you're about to buy. But a lot of people feel, and I feel, that, yeah, that's all fine and good. They may say they protect your data, but have you read the papers about how many of these databases get hacked and how much personal information gets released and sold by these hackers? So there's a strong reason to change the profession. Now, and how can that really be the most effective way, this data targeting, when we know there's already plenty of people looking to learn about what you sell? The research shows that 80-something percent of people research online before a major purchase, even if it's an offline purchase. So people are already using search engines and going to online communities to learn about what to buy. So this is an opportunity to use their knowledge seeking and fuel this knowledge seeking with thought leadership content that leads them to revere your particular way of providing a product or service. Seth Godin, the author and marketing guru, told us about this decades ago with his book Permission Marketing. And he made the point, and it's still a valid point, because still I found only a relatively small percentage of business leaders have gotten it. That he made the point that we need to stop using interruption marketing based on the old television industrial complex model of somebody is consuming content and you interrupt it. And instead of that, start using permission marketing where people give you permission, contact them. And that's been adopted by a fair number of online businesses with things like email subscribe lists in exchange for getting a free report or something like that. So that's one way to set up a thought leadership sequential selling process where you're giving people free information that empowers them to make smarter purchasing decisions and learn how to use what you sell at a higher level and get more value out of it. And then by getting it, they give you permission to email them and drip market to them until they're in the mood to buy. So that's the real opportunity there. So the basic difference in the paradigm here is that your marketing content should serve the customer instead of target the customer, which is a baseline core belief system that underpins the whole philosophy. And it can also be an example of how to take a leading position within a niche to at least attempt in some small way to influence at least some people or organizations within the profession in a positive way. And in a way that ends up being so much more PR worthy because then you're creating a manifesto. You may not call it a manifesto, it might be a book, it might be a white paper. Uh, but it's around global impact and it doesn't come across as purely self-serving. So it's naturally more PR worthy. It's naturally shared more on social media. It naturally pulls in more attention and it naturally harvests that attention and creates a halo effect. So it's a paradox in a way. Serving others is the best way to help yourself.
and it naturally comes when you look at the whole system and you back up and see how the whole thing works. So if we're going to expand our influence and have more of a global impact, uh, one starting place is what we call in our interview process a leadership brain scan. It's just a set of questions to start to extract and start to work with the unique knowledge within a personal organization that could be packaged as strategic thought leadership. Now I'm going to adapt this a little bit to this broader, more global visions. But one of the questions is, what special expertise do you have or that you have in your company that can help people in general make more informed decisions about buying things in your niche? that can help a customer prospect extract more value out of what you sell. Now I think of this more globally for the entire industry. What special expertise does your company have that can help move the whole industry forward in helping customers make better decisions and get more value out of what the industry provides? things like, you know, what are the special and distinctive benefits that you and your team bring to customers? What's the special and distinctive relationship you have with your customers? What's the special and distinctive buying experience that makes doing business with you special? Now again, step back and see, is, are there habits within your industry? Are there norms within your industry? Um, are there ways of doing things within your industry that have grown outdated that your special knowledge could bring forward? as a whole for the entire industry. Another set of questions is to amplify this. How can we package and codify your proprietary service system, your proprietary buying experience, your special relationship with customers? And what special benefits would you give your customers if anything was possible? What state of mind or feelings would you transfer to them through your product or service? distinctive physical tangible benefits of using your product or service could be embellished or by easter egg surprises that enjoy being delighted by. Now there's just part of this set of questions we use for the leadership brain scan but think about it more globally. Are there, are there outdated things within your industry that could be moved forward? And giving you this as an example because I'm going to start applying it now to this kind of meta example of moving the whole marketing field forward by making marketing oriented around serving the customer instead of targeting the customer. So the beginning point of creating a thought leadership model is to define old thinking versus new thinking 
and get both of them into the structure of an if-then statement. Because by putting both into an if-then statement, which always is behind any belief system, a belief system connects two things. And you want to know what those two things are, even though people may not tell you that outright. You can find out by asking. So here's what we call thought leadership path. From marketing technology to target the customer, to marketing technology to serving the customer. Old thinking, if you sell the customer data to advertisers, you make the most money. New thinking, if you serve customers with respect by serving their learning needs with empowering content, that naturally leads to higher profits. Or here's another option for that. Old thinking is the data that is most important. New thinking, it's the customer that's most important. And if you leave the customer view out, they're going to rebel. Now, step aside from this process for a second and kind of act as the commentator or the narrator. It takes a little bit of reflection sometimes, a little bit of self-observation, because some of us hold belief systems that are more on the old side, to be able to step outside of those beliefs. And I mean, I'm sure you remember a time, and this is what I would say to people who want to be able to question a belief, to expand their thinking, to have the option, the opportunity to move it to a new belief. Uh, I'm sure you remember a time when you've questioned your beliefs, like you thought something was totally true, but something happened, or you had some kind of insight that made you go, you know, well, maybe that's not true. Like finding out that there's not some tooth fairy that sticks money under your pillow when you lose a tooth. Or maybe there's not a rabbit that goes around sticking eggs in the grass in your yard every Easter. And I'd ask the person, think about that time. Remember that moment when you questioned that old belief? When you found it, oh wait, uh, that's not the truth. And imagine what it'd be like to have that same belief-questioning moment around this dominant paradigm of data targeting where we see our prospective customers as data. Wouldn't it be better to see them as people that we're trying to help? And the cool thing is it doesn't mean we're throwing away all these mechanisms of data, all this technology. It just means we're going to use it differently. It doesn't mean anybody's out of a job necessarily. It just means you're going to have a different job. There's a methodology that we use uh, called audience listening that I was a principal in developing where we do linguistic analysis. We analyze language patterns. We analyze open conversations online where people really speak what they're thinking about, like on the comments section on a blog that polarizes people. Because when people feel like what's important to them is being stepped on, they're going to speak out. And then you really learn what's important to them. Now, this is nothing like the typical data targeting because it doesn't matter who said what. So there's no need to invade anyone's privacy. We're looking for insight, not just more information. Insight into what's really important to people, and insight into what their mental model is, what, how they think about how they use what they sell, or how they see what you sell. So when you find 
something important to people that's not fully satisfied by the models, by the way they think about it, or the way the profession is presenting it, you got an opportunity to present them with a new model that's going to fulfill what's really important to them at a higher level. They may never even have thought of before, like who would have thought of Disneyland? But Walt Disney sensed that people had this value of having a fun time in a safe place with their family that wasn't being met before. So he invented a new model that satisfied an important value at a higher level. So when we find out what the old model is, and we come up with a new model using a product or service in a creative way, gathering information this way is a lot more powerful because it aligns with creativity instead of suppressing it. It's more respectful of privacy because it doesn't matter who said what. And all that matters is that you find prevalent models in the marketplace that you can upgrade with your own thought leadership position that's going to better satisfy these higher values. So this could support some of these talking points that help move thinking. That it's not about knowing more and more about the private matters of your customers' lives, it's about listening respectfully to them. And this comes from the major paradigm shift from marketing from the customer's point of view. So once you have the old thinking and the new thinking, you've got a path, you've got a story to tell, an adventure story, leading people from the old one to the new one. And since you've gotten those in the right format, you now have dozens of patterns that generate talking points that help move thinking that can fuel a PR campaign, a content campaign, in this case, can fuel some type of well-packaged manifesto to help move the marketing industry this way. So here's, here's one example of such a talking point. If you keep treating people as objects and invading their privacy, the Marie Antoinette moment will come. Bringing the tech capabilities we have to the customer point of view and asking how can it best serve their learning needs about things they might want to buy builds a deeper trust and rapport that brings higher profits that come best from long-term relationships built on trust. Here's another one. Isn't it more effective to serve instead of manipulate? Isn't it more insightful to see the systemic truth that hierarchies that don't serve the lower parts eventually collapse? And, and that particular one implies even seeing the customers at the bottom of the hierarchy because that's the mental model of a lot of online advertising now where the company's paying the advertisers and the person is the product because they get some free app like Facebook that they get to use in exchange for their data, in exchange for spying on them, in exchange for being able to do this kind of, quote, predictive marketing. But there's nothing creative in that. There's nothing that's leading people to something new and better in that. So here's another talking point. 
When you're fishing for prospects' attention online, wouldn't you cast your net where the largest school of fish are? They're where the learning is. So do it best by leading them to new helpful thinking about what you sell. An MGD advertising study found 70% of internet users want to learn about products through content instead of being targeted by traditional advertisements. And here's another one. The law of giving and receiving says you get more when you give more. And what we need to give more of to these targets of marketing is what they value, and that includes respect for their privacy. So being an effective marketer is largely about respect, with the profits that come from long-term customer relationships following that. And psychologists say in relationships, respect may be more crucial than love. And in customer relationships too, respect them or they'll leave you. Spying isn't respectful. So there's a set of talking points. There's a beginning point and an end point. And really building this out to a full manifesto designed to move the marketing industry, just as an example to show you how you can create your own thought leadership position and build it out into PR-worthy media that can impact your whole industry. It implies you know, doing some more research, finding you know, maybe a review of the studies of the pushback against privacy invasion, a review of the studies of how more um, following people with ads uh, can create negative sentiment towards a brand, more research um, reviewed and extrapolated from and summarized showing the huge degree of online research people do before a purchase that you can feed with this helpful content and maybe some new models proposed for how to utilize the same technological base that you use for data targeting but use it for respectful listening that's non-privacy invasive and how to take these resources used for targeting people according to their behavior and you can do that Similarly, with contextual targeting, where you simply place ads in the same location as similar subjects, when people are reading a similar subject, is there. You don't need their personal data for that, so it's totally respectful. So there's ways to scale up advertising and exposure in a respectful way, too. So for the purpose of this particular podcast i'm not going to build this out to that level don't have time for this exact moment but i'm going to put an example of a position paper that could be the beginning of that just as an example for you to use for building up your own position paper for how you can impact your own profession your own industry in a positive way and start to aim for this larger scale impact so that Every communication has more impact so that you create this halo effect, so that you get more leads organically, so that you close more sales organically, so that people trust you more organically because they see that you exhibit a higher purpose and that you lead from the heart that way. Thought Leadership Studio. So thanks for listening to episode number 10 of Thought Leadership Studio. Let's expand our vision of marketing leadership. 
please subscribe if you haven't already and please give a review. Check out the episode page. The link is in the show notes and it will give you a lot of supporting documentation, ideas to fill any gaps um, on this process of making sure that you have an ongoing stream of ideas to support your content and your thought leadership. And also, this is not something I always offer, but at the time I'm recording this on June 21st, 2022, the summer solstice, I'm offering a free 30-minute discovery session to look at what you can achieve with strategic thought leadership or your organization. Just a time to look at what you want to accomplish and find out what is possible that you can achieve with strategic thought leadership for market influence or marketing or sales goals. What kind of time frame would it take to expect to see results and what kind of programs would suit you best? So the aim is to empower you and to brainstorm together. So check out the link and look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio. Thought Leadership Studio.